Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you once again from Cleveland, Ohio. Hello, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I'm a co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, USA. And I'm Seth, no middle name, Rodney, and I'm coming <laughs> to you from the South Bronx. I'm the recent author of the book, The Personalization of the Museum Visit, and I'm a senior editor at Hyperallergic. Um, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and we're continuing our conversation about climate change. And mm -hmm. as promised, uh, we are going to talk about uh, climate change and poverty um, and uh, just what that means. What, what does climate change mean uh, in areas of extreme economic stratification? Um, and, and what does climate change mean when you are not subject to, uh, the same sort of insecurities that, uh, the poor are subject to? So Steven, Seth, you want to jump so in? So my, my, I feel a bit uncertain or out of my depth with this conversation because I don't think that I've read enough, but to follow up on the anecdote that I had given in the previous broadcast mm -hmm. where I'd mentioned my ex-girlfriend Caroline being in India and experiencing ridiculously high temperatures at essentially when the environment should be the cooler. She was, it was something like 11 o'clock at night and it was in the hundreds of degrees. Like it was, I think it was 112 degrees mm -hmm. um, when she was in India uh, last year. When I talked to somebody else about it, they said that part of the problem, clearly part of the problem that that indicates is that when the sun is at its hottest, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about 125 degrees, maybe in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. Essentially, at some point there be there there will be parts of that subcontinent which will be, I mean, essentially uninhabitable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how is it possible to live and work in an environment like that? So I think part of the way. To answer your question, Travis, is to say that people are not going to be able to live in certain parts of the world. They're just not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stephen? Mm. If, um, if, uh, Seth, if this is over your head, it's completely twice over mine. Mm. But, but I've been thinking about it in terms of food insecurity, mm. um, displacement. Mm. And so, before we began this podcast, we were talking with Travis about his his brief look at Cleveland. And so it took me to Toledo, where I was born and raised, for and I lived there for 29 years and watched how neighborhoods sort of deteriorated, not as a cause of food, um, as climate change, but indirectly, I guess, because of the mm -hmm. ways in which the housing in Ohio, it the, the culture and the climate and the economics of the city, it being a in the Rust Belt, essentially, but also mm -hmm. there were only green technologies that started to come to Toledo, but it's largely a service um, mm -hmm. city. And so, and although, sorry, there are two, two, two um, industries there, glass and um, Jeep, but mm -hmm. still watching the pop over half, pe over half the population has left Toledo since the 1970s. Wow. So there's a lot of blight, urban blight. 
And so there's food insecurity, there are food deserts. It's a car city. You don't walk it. If you're walking, then you're poor. And I'm still trying to bite it down about how climate change impacts that, but I think it does. Um, and I think, so the one thing I wanted to mention, I think in our last broadcast was that in the Washington Washington Post reported on a study uh, by scientists in Germany that said, if the world built all of the coal plants that were currently being planned, carbon dioxide levels would rise so much that the world would not be able to keep the temperature increase below um, 2 point Celsius, 36 point I mean, 30, um, which is 36 Fahrenheit, excuse me. Mm. And so I think about the kinds of things that are happening in areas where it's either working or poorer class where things aren't being built or things are being built, but they're not in, <laughs> not for the good of that community. Right. You know? right. So, so that's, so that's the, uh, so I'm more, more, yeah, moving around. So I'm kind of moving no, in no, that area. No, but it's, that's fascinating, Stephen, because that's the, dilemma right that if you long term if they yes. build those coal plants we're talking about a rise of two degrees yes. uh, worldwide two degrees and the and correct me if i'm wrong uh travis because i think you've read more about this than we than i have but mm -hmm. the paris accords were specifically put in place to prevent that threshold from being reached that with the, the the sort of overall sort of reach of the climate accords uh, uh, that France and the U.S. and mm -hmm. uh, the major G7 countries signed on to, called the Paris Accords, was that wanted to to keep below mm -hmm. the two, the rise of one two and degrees. One and a half to two is the, right. Is the goal. Okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Uh, right. So the problem with that is that short term, these folks in communities like that in Toledo, Ohio, need jobs. And when you have the Fuha who promises, uh, the orange Fuha who promises to bring back coal and bring back jobs for people, mm -hmm. yeah. of course they sign yeah. on to that because they think, yeah, yeah I want a, they want, I want a job. I want to be able to like buy a, buy a home and feed my family, la, la, la. Uh, so that's the dilemma, right? So short term, how can we I live? But long term, how can we live? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I appreciate both of your uh, humility around the topic about speculation, but I would argue that you don't need to be an economist or an expert in how exactly it will affect the poor, because what we're essentially talking about is an impoverished environment. And we know exactly mm. what impoverished environments do to people. We mm. know exactly what that does to communities. We know exactly what that does to family ties. And we know exactly how those weaknesses in those communities are exploited by people with resources mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and how those opportunities are taken. I mean, that is, I mean, in, in a certain, in a certain way, you, I mean, look at the displacement of indigenous populations in this country, in the United mm -hmm. States, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, th that was climate change for Native Americans. We took them from territories yes. that we wanted that were that were that. rich that that were rich in in opportunities and farmland. I mean, Native Americans were here for ten thousand years. They knew where to live. Like they had figured mm -hmm. it out, right? They mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. knew where to go. I mean, they had their own wars and they had their own cultural development and clashes. They mm -hmm. moved to the areas that could support their populations. Mm -hmm. We displaced them. 
We mm -hmm. put them in the areas we didn't want until we wanted them, and then we moved them to even less desirable to areas. Right. So, and so we know exactly what that does. I mean, disease will increase, uh, malnutrition will increase, education will yes. plummet. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the, the the things that that are that are going to happen to the have-nots are going to be exacerbated and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. magnified. Uh, in a way that is entirely predictable. Yeah, I think um, actually when you say that, I think of Katrina. Think of what how people oh, yeah. were yes. displaced by Hurricane Katrina, having Still to go displaced. all the way to the right, having to go yeah. all the way to Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. not being able to. I, I know that years after, people are still talking about like getting in touch with relatives that they had lost, like figuring mm -hmm. out a way to to reconstitute their lives because they you know, couldn't live in where they were living before. They had to figure out another way to get uh, uh, their children educated. It, it, all of that, all of what you're talking about. And they about. get Brad Pitt houses, right, that they right. can't afford or can't live in because they need to right. be condemned and because they're not built to standards exactly. that, that are acceptable. I'm sorry, go ahead, Stephen, you look like you're about to say mm. something. No, 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 just thinking about both of you and what you're saying. Thank you for saying climate change as a way of thinking about displacement with Native Americans. That's really mm -hmm. important to kind of think about for me because it through the, it it breaks open the idea of climate change a little bit more. It makes it a little more touchable in a personal way. Mm -hmm. Going being forced to go somewhere you don't want to go. We're talking about the border right now. We're talking about mm -hmm. people who are displaced by war and political unrest in their countries coming here and then living mm -hmm. in cages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, or dying mm -hmm. in cages, rather. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. we could turn on any of the news uh, news programs or news channels right now, whether it's um, Republican or Democrat or whatever, and see how these things are being reported. And and I don't want to get too down in the weeds about this, but that climate change is really, it's a smart way to think about climate change, capital letters. You mm -hmm. you have to move somewhere else to live. Mm. Yeah, you have to go somewhere else, and the effects on the family, the effects on education, the effects on nutrition, the effects on just well being. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, we didn't need climate change capital letters to see that because mm -hmm. we've witnessed it. Some of us have lived it, and still mm -hmm. watch it. You know, and maybe not too far a paycheck or two from it. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really. Thank you for saying that. I'm still ruminating mm -hmm. over it because I think it's important to kind of. For, for us and our listeners to think about how they've been displaced or how they've witnessed displacement and what is it, you know, and how does that, like I said, factor into the larger climate change idea? Because, yeah, I was in Boston last weekend, 110. Mm -hmm. Mm. I know. Did it? Was it a record? By the way, I'm actually just curious. I know that, that I don't know. I, I know it was. I know it was in certain parts of the country, but it was more just. I'm just curious if it was. Yeah, I just didn't want to be outside, and I was in a, <laughs> yeah, right, I was in right, a house right, right. trying to organize papers, and I was trying yeah. to do it as quickly as possible to get back right. to the hotel room, of which I had the advantage of doing. Mm. Right. You know. So I mean, so in in that, you know, to to kind of draw on a topic we had in our last uh, in our in our last podcast what what i for me the real alarm in climate change and the way that we are not dealing with it is that we are we will continue to decrease the number of people that can partake in the human bounty that is what civilization has produced for us in mm -hmm. in the amount of access to 
to leisure and comfort and medicine and nutrition and in all of the other things that I enjoy and celebrate and, and want to uh, propagate that, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that bounty will rather than being increased by our technological advancement will begin to become increasingly limited. And so, mm. you know, we had talked about, you had mentioned, you know, that we had talked about New York and New Orleans or whatever. New York's going to be fine. There's no way the bankers are going to let New York go under. The money will show up to take care of that city. That's it depends, less true. It depends on if they no, find no, no. a better place to live. Really, well, honestly, I think I, greed, so greed I think, will always find out where it's going, but I can't really predict it. So I, I think I, I understand your point. I think it's a valid point. I, the only thing I would push back is that I do think history matters there. And I think that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are cultural concentrations in human history that make a place like New York and other cities in the world particularly resilient. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think, I think because of just the number of centuries that humans have thought that was a place to be and the number of centuries that people have made that a home. That may be wrong. And and you're right. Clearly, there's a a tipping point and a point at which that'll break down. But it's going to take way longer for that to break down in New York York than it is in in New Orleans or or other Mm -hmm. cities that aren't similarly uh, endowed with, you know, financial resources Mm -hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons. So... Mm. um, yeah, but anyway, thank goodness so for greed. To, thank goodness we yeah, live yeah. here. Hey, <laughs> right, yay, right. we're right. living. Well, this, <laughs> well, this is the this is the downside of what you know. What uh, mm-hmm. what I I would suspect uh, pissed Seth off in the last podcast, which is it, it being overly sanguine about it. This is the this is the dark side of that that sort of sanguinary approach to it, which is that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, peop, some people are going to be fine. Lots of other people are not going to be fine. And the, the consequence of that poverty is a, is a, a source of deep anxiety for me uh, okay. mm. when I think about when I think about the mm. things that I care about and the things that I love and the things that I champion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wish that one of us had a kind of personal, deeply personal story or interaction to mm. work off of. Like I'm thinking about a conversation mm. I had, which kind of comes close, but it's not the, not it's not quite where I think I want to be. But I had a conversation with an artist, uh, Linda Quintana, maybe? I'm sorry, I may not be getting her name correct, but we had talked about a year ago, maybe more, maybe it was two years ago, about her being displaced by the California wildfires. Mm -hmm. She's an artist who lost basically most of her archive, um, Mm. the majority of her equipment. The way she told her story to me She'd known that the wildfires were a ways away. She she lived in in the middle part of California. I want to I forget what 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 county, but I want to say it was not too far from Sacramento. She talked about hearing on the news that the wildfires were in the area, mm-hmm. and then hunkering down and just sort of watching out for. Uh, signs of its encroaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or encroachment. And then being told by local authorities, you have to get in your car and get out now. So they had mm-hmm. like, I think it was like an hour to notice. And and then they had to pack everything up quickly, right. jump in the car and get the hell out. 
and mm-hmm. I think they ended up staying with relatives. But she lost most of everything, mm-hmm. and she, had, you know, a lot of because she's middle class and she, uh, her husband, from what I could tell, a very middle class job. They were insured, so they could get some stuff back. But of course, mm-hmm. losing the archives that she has, she's a photographer. Mm-hmm. She can she can never get that stuff back. Mm-hmm. So that kind of comes close to what the kind of story I want to be able to tell. But even mm-hmm. then, she's not poor, right? Like she had That's resources. Right, she had no. relatives to go That's to. Right. She she yeah. had she could reach out to us and she tell had us insurance. her story. Right, she had insurance right. that she knew how to like fight for if they don't want to give you know right. pay out the claim the way they're supposed to mm-hmm. or yeah i mean like the, the, the kind of precarity that we're talking about mm-hmm. is not a precariousness that i know intimately it's just it's not but it is mm-hmm. but it is one that provokes my sympathy and and mm-hmm. and my and and my and my anxiety because mm-hmm. uh because i i try to imagine and and use that that imagined construction to think about the kind of decisions that we should that that I want to make in my own life and 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 what makes sense for a society and mm-hmm. most people most of us mo- mm-hmm. you me most of us do not have backstops like that mm-hmm. most of us mm-hmm. most humans even in this country mm-hmm. don't have backstops like that and 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 are just you know one paycheck one lost job uh, you know, one, uh, you know, a, a dead husband or wife in a family of two income earners from being on the street or having no clue what to do. Mm. And, and that is what is going to be accelerated and amplified as climate mm. change becomes more of a reality and we, and we, mm. and we cease to deal with it or mm. not, or not cease, don't begin to deal with it is what I right. meant to say. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a dark place we just went to. <laughs> it's a dark place that feels like it's always there and that we yeah. can distract ourselves with art. <laughs> you know, yeah. Captain yeah. Crunch and other mm. things, <laughs> you know. Or, 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 or podcasts. Or podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there. I mean, it's what so it thanks is. For, th- thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, do we have any uh, last words? Are there any last words? That, are those the yeah. last words? <laughs> I know. Are they are only last words? Yeah. Well, yeah. What I, I, what, this is what I want to suggest. Um, I want to suggest that we, yeah, go away and do some reading on this and figure out, because I want to actually know where the key inflection points are regions i mean on the planet right now like where mm. is it seriously hitting the fan i, I mean is it mm. antarctica or is it southern is it southern most parts of india or, mm. or is it yeah, new orleans um mm. b- because i've read um actually there's a something i was is it yes i think i was reading this i want to say it was the like washington post or maybe the new york times uh, long form story on what has happened with New Orleans. Maybe it was in New York, actually, mm. and how the Army Corps of Engineers has tried to engineer solutions mm. to mm-hmm. what is essentially a cycle of flooding and retreat mm-hmm. uh, by uh, uh, of the ocean uh, on a seasonal basis. Right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, I think it's the Mississippi River that essentially overruns its banks and 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 uh, okay. and floods uh, certain parts of the. Um, 
Some adulthood. parts of yes, and then retreats, and then they they build up bulwarks against the ocean and the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. But then anyway, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's that part of the world or or what or what parts of the world where the pointy edge of despair end of despair is actually changing the way people live right now. Yeah. That's what I want yeah. to find out. So yeah. I think we should both this all go go away and do some reading and and then talk about that. Yeah. I also yeah. want to mention what you also mentioned before, Travis, I mean um Seth, is that the what's the solution or what are solutions or the what's what could we do better and how can right. we yeah. do better. So I want to add that yeah. too because because yeah, it's important to kind of think about. Yeah. yeah. Uh uh, those uh, both sound like great uh, topics of conversation. Um, Seth and Stephen, thanks very much for your time today. Thank uh, you. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, yeah. great. Thank you. Thank you.